This is the Saverin on Steelers podcast from Steelers Nation Radio. Catch Stan every weekday at 2 on your 24-7 home of the black and gold, SNR. Now, again, I'm going to preface my remarks by a couple things here. Number one, this is not an attempt to excuse the Steelers' defense or to minimize the issues that they have. I hate to go back this all the time, but they have many problems and they are great. But in context to what's going on in the league, I found it interesting. Here's the second disclaimer. I don't think that yards per game, which is what we've got here, yards per game is the best way to analyze a defense. I think there's a lot of things to factor into it. How many takeaways do you force? Time of possession. How often do you score or directly lead to a score? And, of course, points allowed. I mean, even that can be skewed a little bit. I mean, the Steelers' turnovers, certainly on a pick six or a fumble recovery, as we saw in the Jacksonville playoff game, That's points allowed, but it wasn't the defense's fault. Punt return, that kind of thing. But just for the purposes, even with those two disclaimers, I thought even though it's only a small sample size, three games in, we'll go with yards allowed per game. And, again, you can allow a lot of yards and give up field goals, not touchdowns, and ultimately that's what you're looking for. But we talk a lot about the Steelers' defense. Steelers are 29th in the 32-team league. Uh, Not good by any standard, no matter what disclaimers I give you. By the way, I found this interesting. Last year, Steelers are giving up 410 yards per game. Last year, as much as we bemoaned their defense, they gave up 100 yards fewer per game. 311 last year. And, of course, up until Ryan Shazier got hurt, it was much lower than that. But here's what I found interesting. Steelers are 29th, okay? Right behind them, New Orleans, they're 30th. They're 2-1. Tampa Bay is 31st. They're 2-1. And And you know who has the, I shouldn't say worst defense. That doesn't translate. You know who's given up more yards per game than any other team in the NFL? Your undefeated Kansas City Chiefs. Now, there's a lot of reasons for that, potentially. They score so often and so quickly that their defense is out there a great deal. Okay, maybe the other reason is their defense stinks. Just a consideration. It's interesting, isn't it? And if you've got a thought on this, please, by all means, let me know that the four worst teams in terms of yards allowed defensively are four of the most prolific offenses in the NFL. Steelers, New Orleans, Tampa Bay, and Kansas City. All averaging 30 or more give or take a a point. 
There's got to be a correlation to that. By the way, the top five, Baltimore, as I mentioned, number one. Washington, number two. Dallas, number three. They've struggled. Jacksonville, number four. Expect that. And the Bears, Khalil Mack and company, number five. Fred mentions on Facebook the four worst defense in the NFL are combined eight and two. Now, again, we say worst defense. We're talking about yards given up per game. I'm, I, I, I don't think that's the sole arbiter or should be the benchmark for good, bad, or indifferent. But, I mean, Fred makes the point that I'm trying to make. Team a lot of people are talking about, man, the best team in the AFC. They're last in defense. <laughs> last night, the Rams, who are like ninth now after last night, and, of course, they played four games, but it's average per game. They got they give up 446 yards and 31 points to a Vikings team that virtually got shut out by Buffalo. At home in Minnesota. And the Vikings under Mike Zimmer have been a very good defense. They got lit up for 38. And way over 400 yards. Jared Goff went wild. So the question becomes, if that's supposed to be the best of the lot... And not that the Steelers are in that category. No, they're not. But is this the new norm? Now, Joe makes a point. Agreed. The Ravens' defense stats have been seriously skewed by the week one blowout to the Bills. They allowed three points. And shame on Buffalo. They were down, like, what was it, 38-0 or something, and the guy kicks a field goal. But I get the drift. But then again, Buffalo comes back and scores on – Minnesota, but be that as it may, I think the point is well taken. But this may be the way the NFL is going, and again, that is not to minimize the Steelers' issues. Not at all. Dave tweets and says, anyone that watched the Super Bowl knows that great defense is dead. One defensive play won the Eagles that game. The new norm in the NFL is just make one or two plays and give your offense an extra possession. The Steelers' problem is they may not have enough players capable of making that big play. And that's an excellent point, Dave. But it just struck me watching that game last night. Not that I, I mean, you know, maybe 17 13, those days are over. And maybe if you get a game that's 17 13, let's say, we're talking about bad offensive teams. Maybe that would be the reason, not necessarily great defense. I understand that one plays into the other, but you're a football fan. You watch enough football. You can tell when you're seeing good offense um, and good defense versus bad offense. But maybe this is the way the game's gone. You know, all the rules changes and opening things up. I think the next thing to do, and I will do that, not now, three games, not enough, maybe after like six, analyze points per game, average points per game. Both teams combined, what's the average? And compare that to two years ago, five years ago. 
Now, as far as Jim Tunney's suggestion is concerned, I'm going to run this by Matt Williamson. He suggested yesterday that to get rid, well, not get rid, I mean, you're never going to get rid of defenders hitting quarterbacks, but maybe as a way to make them safer and not have to worry about who's going to get flagged for 15 yards for breathing on the guy, his suggestion was eliminate intentional grounding penalties. Now, a quarterback is reluctant to give up a down, but remember, uh, uh, intentional grounding is a penalty and loss of down. So if you got rid of that, maybe a quarterback wouldn't be as reluctant to just chuck the ball because he's not going to get penalized for it, avoid the hit, and avoid this constant parade of yellow flags for roughing the quarterback, which no one understands. Now, Adam disagrees with Jim Tunney's suggestion. Getting rid of intentional grounding won't help. We'll give the quarterback incentive to hold the ball even longer. Um, I don't know. I mean, it may be a bad idea. I'm not sure that that would be the reason why. That's not to say that he wouldn't still get hit. I mean, I think he still would get hit. But if he knew that he could dump the ball off just like he's spiking, right? He could take the ball, here comes the pressure, bang, throws it in the ground. Doesn't even have to, you know, throw to the sideline or sail it wide or something. Just like he's spiking the ball to stop the clock. Might reduce some of the hits. And, again, some of the endless parade of yellow laundry. I think it's an interesting topic to discuss. And we will continue to do that. Stan White of the Baltimore Ravens Radio Network joins me next for a preview. Saverin on Sports on your home of the Steelers and Pens, ESPN Pittsburgh. The Saverin on Steelers podcast from Steelers Nation Radio. Ben's a great player. Uh, obviously, he's capable of taking the game over, throwing the ball every play if he has to. Uh, they're going to want to run the ball. They always, they always do. And uh, they've got a very good run game, too. So we just got to be prepared for anything. I mean, you can get any personnel group. You can get any... Any type of a play from these guys, they uh, they do what they do, but they do a lot. So we just got to be prepared for whatever we get. Baltimore Ravens head coach John Arbaugh will bring his two on Ravens to Hinefield Sunday night for the first of two scheduled meetings between these two teams. And we're really pleased to welcome back Stan White, former NFL linebacker and color commentator on the Ravens Radio Network. He joins us uh, generally before every Steelers-Ravens game. Stan, thanks for joining us. Uh, two stands together. Good to talk to you again. <laughs> yeah, that's good. My son, he's a stand. Has a There's actually three of us around here. Stan, you still with us? We'll have to call him back. Cell phone dropout. The benefit. Oh, oh, there you are. There you go. We lost you there. Yeah. For, we lost you there for a second. Before we get to okay. the, the Ravens, Stan, we were just talking about. Um, the Steelers' defense is getting torched uh, by fans, media, not to mention opposition. Um, and then I'm watching the Rams-Vikings last night, and these are supposed to be two of the better defenses in the league. And th- 68 points, 
uh, 900 yards. Um, I look at you know yards per game. Your undefeated Kansas City Chiefs are last in the NFL. Is this the new normal in the NFL? Forget about defense. Yeah, well, yeah, it's hard to play defense when you're not allowed to hit anybody. Yeah. You know? <laughs> it's a tough game to play now. You can't hit the receivers. You can't, you can't touch the quarterback. So, uh, uh, you know, it, Ben's talking about uh, taking being a soccer player and taking dives now. So uh, I don't know where the game is going, but I don't like the direction. Uh, it's not a game meant to be played with flags on your on your hips. You know, it's a it's a contact a collision game. It's a gladiator sport, and uh, uh, there's a lot of benefits that come out of it, and there are some risks. So uh, I've always liked the game the way it was. I don't particularly like some of the changes are okay. I think we had to drop out again. Well, that's understandable because Stan played linebacker. He's he definitely not going to um, enjoy that <laughs> that kind of football. Uh, again, we, we talked about it at length. Uh, you've got a helmet-to-helmet, absolutely. Uh, but I just think they went over the edge. They jumped the shark, if you will, with you can't land on the quarterback. I understand he can get injured that way. But again... Where are you supposed to land? I mean, if you hit the guy straight up, where exactly is the defender supposed to land? I, you know, and I get where they're going, but I, you know, I, I think they've protected the quarterback about as much as they can protect him while maintaining the integrity of the game. Stan, are you back with us? Uh, yeah, I am. Wasn't it your uh, Jack Lambert that said, hey, they were putting skirts on him way back when? Yeah, it was back so, in the uh, 1970s. He sure yeah, did. Yeah, I know. So, so <laughs> where are they putting on him now? Tutus? I mean, <laughs> I don't know what it is, but uh, uh, it's not good for the game, I don't think. Yeah, you know, I think that they were, you know, on the right track. I mean, I get where they were going, but the latest thing this offseason where you can't land on the guy, if you hit him straight up, where are you supposed to land? I mean, physically impossible not to land on top of him. Well, yeah, and you're not supposed to pick him up, but if anybody that's taught tackling, and I coach high school, I've done it for 22 years now, you you hit and you thrust and you pick up the guy. I mean, that's what you're taught all these years mm-hmm. to stop their momentum. And now you're telling them, don't pick him up, don't drive him down. Uh, now, I, I remember when Joe Turkey Jones did that to Terry Bradshaw years and years ago when he uh, sort of sledgehammered him into the ground. You don't want that type of stuff, but you do, you know, you do want them putting pressure on the quarterback. Otherwise, you know, you'll see a game like you saw last night, which is up and down the field. Both quarterbacks are throwing for over 400 yards. I mean, Ryan Fitzpatrick is throwing for 400 yards every game now, and he's a backup. Well, they may move the NFL into the Big 12 because that's exactly what you get. Well, um, you're right. Yeah, they don't play any defense in the Big no. 12. And those guys have a hard time adjusting. Maybe they'll be better in the NFL now than they have been, I guess. Well, it's funny. Just one last general thing. You know, it used to be that colleges pretty much copied what the pros did. Now it seems to be the other way around. The college went to the spread, and you're seeing these young quarterbacks come in and have success relatively early because the NFL's playing the same sort of thing that they were doing in college. Yeah, the NFL's taking advantage, I mean, or, or having to do what they get. You know, this is what they get out of college yeah. now. They get offensive linemen that's never been in a three point stance. You know, so, uh, you know, they, they have a hard time adjusting to that. And so the game has changed a little bit based upon the type of talent they're getting 
out of the college system. I think Mason Rudolph, the kid that Steelers drafted, uh, never once took a direct snap from under center his entire college career. It was all shotgun. Yeah, I think you're right. And I, I met Mason. He won the John Unitas Award, which is obviously given out in Baltimore. Mm-hmm. And I met him and his family uh, uh, out here, uh, you know, last last December. And what a great kid he is. And uh, uh, I think uh, the, the Pittsburgh Steelers got a steal in getting him where they got him uh, as, a, as a future quarterback. Because I think Ben's going to be like Tom Brady. He's going to play until they tear the uniform off of him. <laughs> or a linebacker, to, unless, <laughs> unless Terrell Suggs does it for him. Um, yeah. Let's talk about that Baltimore defense. We talk about yards allowed per game. The Ravens are number one in the NFL, 273. The Steelers, 29th, 411. Um, uh, have you been able? Is, is three games enough of a sample size stand for you to get an idea? Let's talk about their defense to how good they are, and they've done it without Jimmy Smith too. Yeah, I, I don't think so yet. I don't think they've played a high power offense. I mean, Andy Dalton threw four touchdown passes in the first half against them, so that was scary. There, uh, you know, Buffalo was horrible in the game that they played. Uh, they didn't start Josh Allen and. They just didn't have anybody that could could even throw the football downfield. And Denver, Case Keenum, just wasn't very impressive either. So those quarterbacks, maybe the Ravens did make them the way they were. Uh, That's what I'm hoping. But uh, Andy Dalton had a little bit of his way with us, uh, with A.J. Green. And I'm hoping that uh, Ben Roethlisberger and Antonio Brown and Juju Smith-Schuster don't have their day because they've had their days before. It's always been a great game. I mean, the stats on this game are crazy. You know what? Since 2008, they're 10 and 10. Mm. Since 2014, they're 4 and 4. Since 2020, they're 18 and 18. 16 of the last 20 games have been one score or less, and 13 of those have been three score, three points or less. So what a, a great rivalry they have between the two. Yeah, I, was thinking, I didn't have the numbers in front, but it, it strikes me that it's always you know within a touchdown and, and oftentimes a field goal. Um, bring us up to date, Stan, if you would. Stan White is our guest. Stan played in the NFL for a number of years and now is the Ravens color commentator and has been done doing that for a number of years. Uh, we know the, some of the Baltimore players. Uh, I mentioned Terrell Suggs earlier. Um, but, of course, you know, we go back to the days of Haloti Nada and, uh, you know, some of the, the great players who were there. Bring us up to date on who now plays defense for the Ravens and who's excelling. Well, the other men, you know, of the Ray Lewis's and Ed Reed's and Haloti Nada's, they are. Terrell Suggs is the one guy that's left. He's in his 16th year. So, <laughs> you know, there's not too many guys that the last. Ray was 17, but not too many guys make it that long. Uh, C.J. Mosley's been there for five years now. You probably – the people are familiar with him. Eric Weddle has been in the league now for 12 years, so uh, with, he's with the Ravens now the last three years. Tony Jefferson, uh, you know, Jimmy Smith is out, but uh, uh, they got Brandon Carr, who's started every game for 11 years a cornerback. That's pretty impressive, isn't it? That's just yep. amazing. And uh, Marlon Humphrey, last year's first-round pick, is also uh, one of their corners. Uh, they got Brandon Williams in the middle. Uh, Matt, some young outside linebackers that are really, they're hoping, uh, for big things from. Uh, it's in their second and third years. Tyus Bowser, Zaria Smith, Matt Judon, Tim Williams, all high draft choices that came out of college with a big resume. Uh, Matt Judon had eight sacks last year, uh, and he's a guy that they expect a lot out of this year. But Zaria Smith, 
who was a, a, a teammate of uh, Bud Dupree's at Kentucky. Those two guys were the outside rushers. Must have been pretty good. Uh, has uh, a couple sacks this year and really has, has had a great training camp and beginning of the season. C.J. Mosley, uh, I know he's been hurt. Uh, do they expect him to play Sunday night? Yeah, he was real close to playing last week. I think they even might have expected him to play, and then the last minute uh, he wasn't able to. But, yeah, he, he'll be able to play this week. He's been practicing, and uh, I think he'll be fine. Uh, I think he wants to play in this game. Most guys somehow get better for, the, for these games. <laughs> and uh, I think this is uh, one of those games that he's going to be there. Uh, whether they have their young first-round uh, pick at tight end, Hayden Hurst, is questionable. He started to practice a little bit. He had a stress fracture in his foot about a month ago. and had a little operation, put some screws in there. So he's getting close to being able to play, and he's going to be a big addition to the offense. He's the guy that can go down the middle and catch that pass in the seam that you need tight ends to do. Speaking of offense, uh, how has Joe Flacco looked thus far? Well, he's done... <laughs> He's done well. I mean, he's got a 92 quarterback rating. He's thrown for almost 300 yards a game. Um, he's completed almost 65% of his passes, uh, six TDs, two interceptions. So he's had a really good start to this year, and I expected him to. For number one, he's healthy for the first time in about three years. And number two, he's got some weapons. You know, they went out and got John Brown from Arizona, Willie Sneed, uh, and Michael Crabtree. So it's a much improved uh, set of weapons for Joe Flacco. And we've talked about Hayden Hurst at tight end. They also drafted Mark Andrews out of Oklahoma, who was the uh, John Mackey Awards at tight end of the year last year in college at Oklahoma. So they got some weapons for him. And they also drafted Lamar Jackson in the first round. That uh, uh, that always lights a fire under somebody. You know, uh, I know Ben talked about it when they took – Mason Rudolph in the second round. Well, they took Lamar Jackson here in the first round, and I think uh, you know that that tells you something when they do that. Happened to me when I was in Detroit. They drafted a guy and a linebacker in the first round, and it, it does motivate you. And I think uh, all those things together uh, is going to add up to a good year for Joe. You know, I've I've seen two of the three Baltimore games thus far when I've been able to stand, and I know they bring Lamar Jackson for you know a special sub package. Um, it reminded me of what they used to do way back when when Cordell Stewart was here yep. uh, before he became a quarterback. Um, have they had any success? You know, with the, if you will, gadget plays with Lamar Jackson. Well, yeah, maybe we'll nickname Slash Two. There you go, know, but, uh, <laughs> Slash Squared. Uh, there you go. Yeah, exactly. But he. Uh, I don't know. It depends what you call success. I think it's made the defense adjust, and some plays have have been better because of it. They had a six-yard touchdown run on one of his only two plays in the game last week uh, because people were running over. He just uh, you know went in motion and went behind in a circular motion behind like he was going to be an option guy, and uh, everybody went with him, and and uh, the Ravens uh, uh, Alex Collins ran for a touchdown. So. Uh, even if he doesn't get the ball, if he provides a hesitation of a half a step in the NFL or in any football, that's what you're looking for on offense. You want the defense just to hesitate a bit so you get better angles on them. You may get you may out, uh, overload them and get an extra player there because of it. They, they assign a player to Lamar. So there's, a, there's, there's benefits to it even if it doesn't happen right to Lamar. And eventually it's going to I think he's going to get the ball and make some plays. 
You know, something that struck me, um, some special teams issues. The one thing that John Harbaugh's teams, having been a special teams coach, um, they've always been exceptional. Um, Has that been an issue this year? Well, last game it was they had two kicks blocked. Yeah. They had a a punt blocked uh, at the beginning of the game. They gave Denver the ball on the six-yard line right at the beginning, after the first possession, and uh, they went right in and scored. Uh, And then they had a field goal blocked, but it was by a guy jumping over the line, which they now have said, yeah, we blew it. He, we should have called that. He took a couple steps and jumped over the line. I guess the rule is if you're on the line of scrimmage and don't move before the ball snapped, you're allowed to leap over, a standing leap over, as long as you don't touch anybody. Right. I don't know too many guys that can do that. You know, you got maybe <laughs> J.J. Watt. I've seen his videos of some of the, uh, of the vertical jumps he's done. But uh, uh, if they're going to say you can't jump over, I don't know why they say you can't jump over no matter what. It doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Uh, there are a lot of rules that don't make a lot of sense. Yeah, exactly. then again, um, soon the NFL will morph into the National Hockey League, which we experience here <laughs> all the time. Last thing, um, the Ravens did not make the playoffs last year, but they were 9-7. and seven. As you look at them now, Stan, um, do you think that, that was a springboard? I mean, in other words, are they a team on the rise? Well, they better be because uh, everybody's job's on the line here this year. John Harbaugh, everybody. Uh, they know that. You know, they haven't been to the playoffs for three years. The last two years, they've lost, they lost it in the, of course, Christmas Eve game there in Pittsburgh when Antonio Brown stretched the ball over with a couple seconds left in the game to win the game. That cost them the playoffs. And then last year, the last play of the season, uh, fourth and 12, Cincinnati throws a seam pass and catches it, goes for a touchdown and knocks the Ravens out of the playoffs and puts Buffalo in. So, uh, this is a year of reckoning and, uh, you know, I, I think everybody's playing for that. They're playing for their their livelihoods this year. And usually when you do that, you uh, are competitive. And I think they'll be right into it. Just like the Pittsburgh uh, Ravens game, it's going to go down to the very end. It's going to go down to those last couple possessions. And are they able to – who's able to stop the other guy last? All right. Well, Stan, as always, really enjoy it. So insightful. Enjoy the conversation always. Uh, have a safe trip to Pittsburgh, and I'll look for you at the game on Sunday. Again, thank you so much. Really appreciate it. All right, Stan. Always a pleasure. Okay, take care. There you go, Stan White, NFL linebacker, and now the color commentator on the Ravens football network. Uh, I mean, I really, I mean, naturally, he's the Ravens guy. He wants them to win, sees us through that lens, but I, I really think he's very objective, and that's why I like to. Uh, to have a mom and some of these guys, you know, are you root for them. I expect it to, but uh, this is, I think, I think very insightful analysis. The Saverin on Steelers podcast from Steelers Nation Radio. Wholesale movement before the snap. Under a minute and a half to go. Quarter number three. Seam throw. Woods touchdown. Plenty of that going on last night. Sixty-eight points, nine hundred yards offense, whatever it was. That's the way it is. Matt Williamson joins us now as he does every Friday at this time before we talk uh, football, NFL, and Steelers football. Matt, you got some exciting news, and I wanted to give you the opportunity to tell everybody where they can now find you. Yeah, I do have some really exciting news. Is my website is no more. 
it has been absorbed by John Clayton's new website, which goes live on Monday. So from now on, I will be a part of ClaytonFootball.com exclusively. That's where all my writing will be. We have a former team doctor. We have a former team cap guy. And we have John Clayton. We got another guy named Williamson, too. That's confusing. He's all right. You yeah. have a brother? <laughs> yeah, John. That's Bill Williamson. He's kind of a reporter type editor, and he's a Raider expert, too. Great guy. Okay. Um, uh, that will come in handy. The Steelers play the, uh, the Raiders later in the year. Uh, what is the, in John Clayton, we all know him. John's been a guest on the show, and um, of course, I've known him for well over 40 years. Uh, what is the uh, new John Clayton website? ClaytonFootball.com. Okay. ClaytonFootball.com. All right, great. That's great news. Congratulations, man. I'm really Thank you. I'm very excited about it. Good, good. You should be. I think that's great. And they, they got a great guy on, on their team. Uh, we've been talking about this a lot. Uh, everybody's been torching the Steeler defense. That includes the teams that they play, uh, you know, media, fans, everybody. Um, and, and they do rank 29th in yards given up per game. Um, but a couple things come to mind. Um, number one, the team that's given up the most yards per game, average, your undefeated Kansas City Chiefs. Um, and the four worst teams, including the Steelers, are combined eight and two. Now, I'm watching the game last night, as I'm sure you did, and these are supposed to be two of the best defense in the NFL, and they're like, it's a pinball machine. Is defense dead in the NFL, at least as we knew it? I think so. I mean, I really do. I mean, look at the Super Bowl last year. Yeah. I mean, those are supposed to be two good defenses. I mean, great teams are letting up a ton of points. And actually, my first assignment for ClaytonFootball.com is analyzing the Chiefs' defense. You know, can can they make a run with what I think is the worst defense in the league? I mean, they've allowed 17 more first downs than any team in the league. And that's just one of one small little portion of how bad that defense is in Kansas City. But like you said, they're 3-0, and and they win shootouts. That's how they play every week. So I know Steeler fans are having a really hard time wrapping their head around this, and I'm not saying that the Steeler defense is good or great, but it's not uncommon now either. Like you said, last night's game is two of the best defenses in the league, and I do very much believe that. But good offenses, and there's so many good play designers and offensive designers in the league right now, not to mention the rules favor the receiver and the quarterback in the passing game. And people aren't even running the football anymore. I mean, you talk about defense being dead. The run game's dead. You know, it's interesting because I mentioned the, you know, the, the bottom four teams, at least in yards per game. And, Matt, I, I think you'll agree with me. That, I mean, that's not the best way necessarily to no. judge a defense. You have to consider turnovers and points allowed, uh, all those things. But – um, the, the bottom four teams, the Steelers, New Orleans, Tampa, and Kansas City, all have prolific offenses. So they're outscoring people. Can you sustain that and win a championship that way? I don't know. I mean, that's kind of the crux of my article about the Chiefs because they're the best example in the league. I mean, they're, in my opinion, the number one offense and the 32 defense, and they also have the best special teams. I don't know. I mean, I, I think that we'll see. You know, I, I tend to think – that especially come playoff time, that it's probably unsustainable because if you trip up one day or weather or your quarterback stubs his toe or whatever, all of a sudden you collapse. But we shall see. And back to the Steeler defense real quick. On a per-snap basis, on a per-dropback basis, 
The Steeler defense is the best pass rushing unit in the NFL right now. And they led the league in sacks last year. So I know that their defense isn't good. Again, I'm not defending it. But I also think that they played two of the elite offenses in the league back-to-back these past two weeks. And if you can do one thing on defense, rushing the passers, what you'd pick. Do you, and again, not excusing their poor performance, but when you look at them and what, frankly, what we're used to seeing uh, around here, do you sort of modify the expectation based on the way the game is being played today? I think so, and I think it's going to be on Coach Tomlin to do so. You know, like in that Bucks game, I thought their cutter, Tampa's head coach, didn't understand the kind of game he was in. You know, that at the end of the half, he has to eat clock before scoring instead of giving the ball to Ben with three timeouts. And twice in the second half, he settled for field goals when he's sort of near the goal line. You can't do that. I mean, you have to realize it's a race to 50 points, and you have to wrap your head around this is the type of game we need to play to win. So if the Steelers are going for, you know, going for two-point conversions instead of kicking extra points, especially if Boswell's troubled, I understand it. I mean, because it's all about racking up as many points as you possibly can, knowing that you're going to allow a lot. Is this strictly a matter of the rules or the, uh, a matter of talking with Stan White, the uh, former linebacker and Ravens uh, radio guy now? Um, is this strictly a matter of rules or is it a matter of what we see in colleges now? They're all playing spreads. So these you know guys come in, the NFL is actually adopting their offense versus the other way around. Well, the you know, usually the pendulum will go back and forth, but is, right. it, is it permanently stuck there? Um, I don't know if it's permanently stuck there, but I do think this is what the NFL wants, and the rules have dictated that. I also think that there's more teams with adequate to good quarterbacks than I can remember, too, or teams that are at least happy with their current quarterback situation. You know, the Jets, the Browns, these guys that have a, a, a bunch of young guys that came in. And I do absolutely think that teams have made life on those young quarterbacks much, much easier. Mahomes is a great example with a lot of college-spread principles so they don't have to totally learn a a, a brand-new game. I also think, and people have told me this, that far and away the biggest thing assistant coaches, offense and defenses, did this offseason was they studied McVay, who we saw last night, Reed, who we saw two weeks ago, the Eagles system, which was won the Super Bowl, of course, and Shanahan in, in, in San Francisco, because these guys are uh, past the curve in terms of creating offense, and everyone's starting to realize that there's a lot of free yardage out there. Matt Williamson of ClaytonFootball.com. Check that out. John Clayton, uh, Pittsburgh native <laughs> from Braddock. We all know went to Point Park and, of course, uh, earned a lot of fame. And I think a fair fortune uh, working for ESPN for all yeah, he's those. He's doing okay. He did okay for himself. He, he sure did for a, uh, a little skinny kid from from uh, from Braddock. Uh, let's localize. Yeah, one more note on what I was saying before, though, too. Sure. If you look at guys like McCaffrey and Kamara, they're putting up unbelievable statistics, but they're not even necessarily as ball carriers. I mean, the rece- the running back as receiver is so much more important now than ever, too. Does that make the absence of Le'Veon Bell hurt that much more? A little bit. I mean, it's kind of where I was going with that, where you can say what you want about Bell and how he's handling things, but his point is pretty valid that, yes, he really is a number two receiver and a running back. 
He changed the game. I mean, there's no question about that. No doubt. I mean, I, I, there's, in my mind, there's no way Dallas takes Ezekiel Elliott fourth in, in the first round if they hadn't seen what Bell could do and what, he, what he's capable of doing. I mean, I really believe that. Um, I me, do, too, except for this is a different conversation. They're one of the teams that doesn't get it. They're not throwing the ball to Elliott. Yeah, really right. Not, their <laughs> offense is terrible. Well, yeah, I'm sure Jerry Jones is calling the play, so that would explain a lot. Um, <laughs> he just gets his son-in-law to wipe his glasses off, and then he can see what he's, uh, what he's doing. Um, do you think that this Steelers defense can be better? They're not going to be great, um, you know, without Shazier, but do you think there can be, they can be better? I mean, I, I thought they were pretty good for three quarters Monday night, Matt. Um, fell apart in the fourth. But, I mean, do you think that there's some hope, at least some upside to this group? I do. I mean, they have a lot invested on that side of the ball. Um, I don't think we've seen the best from Tuit, Hayward, um, Edmonds. Um, I think guys like Bud and Davis are gradually getting better. I think Watt is going to be a really good player and didn't have his best game this past week. I also think that we'll look back at the season and say, Boy, back-to-back matchups against the Chiefs and Bucks was about as bad as you could get. You know, they were the two top offenses in the league when they faced them. So I do think it'll get better. And I'm kind of with you. I mean, they've played, what, 12 quarters of football? And I would say five of them were bad to awful on defense. But, you know, I thought the defense played really well in Cleveland, and that's not a terrible team. No, no, not what we you think of them normally. Uh, I Artie Burns, of course, has been a target, (laughs) again, literally and figuratively. Uh, I know you weren't real high on him coming out of college, as I recall. Um, Could it really just be a matter that he doesn't focus? I mean, it's his third year, for for crying out loud. Yeah, it's definitely disappointing. You know, he should never be challenged by somebody like Sensabaugh. With all respect to Sensabaugh, but we know who he is. Um, Two notes on Burns. One is, and I've been saying this for years, that when I watch the tape, there's always three, four, five plays a game where I say, what are you doing? You yeah. know, like, does he know where to be? Is he reading this close to being the right way? And along those lines, I also think, and I probably have told you this on the air, that I think when they drafted him, that was the offseason of man coverage to stop the Patriots, if you recall. That's all we got to do is play man coverage and we'll stop the Patriots. And I think they drafted him with that in mind because I think he's best focused on one guy playing press man at the line of scrimmage, you know, you follow A.J. Green, and they don't really ask him to do that. Instead, he's reading and reacting and playing more zone and matchup zones and complex, more complex defenses. So, in a way, I think he's not being used to the best of his abilities. That doesn't mean you change the defense for him, though. Well, we'll see. I'm anxious to see if he starts or how much he plays, if they actually continue with the rotation system. Um, we'll see. By the way, David Castro said he's good to go. For Sunday night, with all the kind of one more note on that, I wanted to mention. Yeah, no, go ahead. Fan, is when when the Steelers prepared for Mahomes in Week Two, I said on the airways over and over, okay, we've seen this guy play one game, throw a lot of complex defenses at him, things he has not seen in Week One. He played the Chargers, that played very vanilla cover three, and the Steelers did that. But in the process, they screwed up their own assignments too often. So I think when they prepared for Tampa. They said, okay, let's make Ryan Fitzpatrick matriculate the ball down the field. Don't allow any big plays. He's going to figure out our complex coverages anyways. Let's keep it simple. And, Cody, we trust you to do that more than Artie. That's a good point. Also, 
part of the game plan was Joe Hayden, um, who was there. Um, I, I was amazed. He, I mean, he took Deshaun Jackson out of that game. Yeah, and which is wonderful, and he's been a terrific find. But, boy, keep your fingers crossed that he stays out. Oh, no Look qu- out. Oh, no question. Yeah. No, you imagine Artie and Cody Sensabaugh on opposite corners. Oh, um, <clears throat> talk about track me. <laughs> all right, all that conversation, how does that all come into the matchup with Baltimore? Well, this kind of goes back to the first point you brought up of where the league is going. I mean, Ravens versus Steelers, at least on paper, as you look at these three these teams through three weeks, looks like a track meet. It doesn't look like a physical backyard brawl that you win 13-9. It looks like two teams that run a lot of plays, that are playing fast, that are throwing it all over the field and scoring points. And the Ravens, I mean, they're 12 for 12 in scoring touchdowns in the red zone this year. I mean, that's unbelievable. Yes. I don't think it's sustainable, of course, but they're playing pretty well. Their offense is taking a huge step forward. So I don't think it's going to be Steelers Chiefs or Steelers Bucks, but I expect a lot of points. Well, let me just follow up on that. Uh, and we talked to Stan White about it. He talked about some of the newer players. The 12 for 12 in the red zone, why are they better offensively? I definitely think Flacco's playing the best he has in three or four years. Didn't look great against Cincinnati, though, and I think there's two reasons for it, and most people are saying, boy, it's a lot like Alex Smith when they drafted Mahomes, like you light a fire under the veteran. But I've had people also tell me he's much healthier. I mean, he used to be, he was always battling something, and he isn't right now. So he's back to kind of being himself. And his weapons are way better. I mean, John Brown, if he's healthy, is a very dynamic player. They've always had that speed guy, the Torrey Smith. That's John Brown, but he brings more to the table than that. And he's always had his whoopee. He always had the Derek Mason or the Bolden. And Crabtree fits that really well. And the, the line's a lot healthier. So the personnel's a lot better, and the quarterback's a lot better. Flacco's been a really bad player the last three years. Yeah, and just flipping the other side of the ball, you know, Ravens defense, but there aren't many familiar names other than Suggs and Jimmy Smith is out. Um, they're number one by the way, in yards allowed per game. How good is their defense? Yeah, I think that's a very overrated statistic. I mean, based a lot on who they played. Uh, the Bengals tore them up pretty well. The the Steeler, or Ben's numbers, I don't know if you're aware of these, but Ben and AB's numbers against a Jimmy Smith-less defense, I think they played him three times, are off the charts. Uh, I mean, they, they just destroy this defense when he's not in there. And I think it's a good group. I don't think it's a great group. I don't think they rush the passer all that well. They have some big boys that are hard to move in the interior. Um, if Mosley plays, that helps a lot, and I think he will. The secondary is good, not great. Um, I, I would probably take 10 defenses in the league over them. Okay. So, bottom line, throw that all into a big blender and mixing bowl. What do you come up with? I got Steelers. 30 to 21, something like that. I, I just don't think this Ravens team is all that great. I mean, both their wins were not all that impressive. Denver shot themselves in the foot over and over last week. Since he kind of had their way with the Bengals or with the Ravens. And in week one, Buffalo was just non-existent. Yeah, 47 to 3. Uh, that'll, yeah. That's non-existent. All right, Matt, we'll see. Um, again, congratulations. I think it's great. ClaytonFootball.com featuring Matt Williamson. Really happy for you, bud. Thanks a lot, man. I appreciate it. Okay. Talk to you next week. All right, Absolutely. there he goes. Matt Williamson. Um, they got some really good writers lined up for that thing. Check it out.